Nikki. Hey, Selena. And hey, everybody. And welcome to Sweet Tea and TV, the podcast welcome. where two Southerners... Oh, wait. <laughs> I don't have to do that, right? You don't have to do that. Oh, part. It's, too, it's a bridge too far. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, we've got some more proofs to do. I've done some real introspection in the last few episodes. I just... And I'm, I'm curious. I mean, are other people learning things about themselves? You know what? I hope so. Yeah. And I hope someone will take the time to write us some fan mail and tell us. Uh, yeah, yeah, and we want you to write it and mail it. <laughs> you but just mail it to the Sweet Tea and TV podcast. That's at 1234 Oak Drive Lane. I was going to say, first I have to get us a P.O. box. <laughs> I'll get right on top of that. I know, I'm like scared you're going to come back. And you know me. how I enjoy the trips to the post office. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You guys don't know this, but Nikki, she loves the post office. I do. I have been to the post office with Nikki more times than I've been to the post office. I just have to be clear that it's not the post office I love. It's the thought of sending someone like handwritten mail. I'm Nikki and I'm sweet. sweet. Incidentally, Selena has sent me more handwritten mail than I've ever sent her. So yeah, be not confused. (laughs) I don't go to the post office anymore. It's so far away. Yeah. You know, you can mail letters from your house, right? But you got to have stamps. And if you're out of stamps, you got to go to the post office. Oh, I do keep stamps around. I usually do. Okay. But it does feel like an unusual thing to do in 2021. But we digress. That's not the or, question, is or, it? Well, is it? What is it? <laughs> what if it was, do you still use stamps? <laughs> I just started sweating because you said, what is it? And I was like, oh, crap. Was I supposed to pull these questions? I'm like, I, did stamps exist when Proust was alive? I just, there's so many questions. <laughs> so many questions. <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay. The next question in our journey together is what or who is the greatest love of your life? Careful now. Jackson. Oh, you said it. Is that really what you want to go with? It feels like the safest answer. Otherwise, I'm going to have to come up with a way to merge all of my family's names. Yeah. Okay. Well, do you... Oh, it didn't ask you to say why. Are you done? I'm done. Jackson. (laughs) It does feel like an incredibly dangerous question. Oh, sure. So it... Now, we we did say what... Or who, who or what? Yeah, so you family. So, oh yeah, that's smart. My son, if you ask him, uh, who's your true love? He says, "Mommy." Oh. We could debate whether that's healthy or not, but I'd rather I'd rather not. I just like to hear him say it. No, I think that's <laughs> sweet. So if we can say what, I'll say my family. Absolutely, true loves in different ways. Yeah, um, for sure. So I, I mean, if we're talking about, so I was sort of thinking of it. Or a pecan it, pie. It, oh. <laughs> Just pie crust. Oh. Um, when it was like, my first thought was Casey. Like, because mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, who is the, the greatest love of my life? I would mm-hmm. say Casey. And I feel like if I keep it in the romantic vein, that also feels safe. Mm-hmm. You know, because I shouldn't be having a lot of romances anymore. Just the one. I mean. Whatever. It's 2021. <laughs> um, <laughs> it depends on who you are and what you like. I don't know. So I'm going to say Casey is the greatest love of my life. There you um, go. And uh, I love you if you ever get to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't, you know, I'll be berating you in between. Because <laughs> that's what that's good partners do. <laughs> Second question. Okay. When and where were you happiest? 
Oh, good Lord. I know. That's a hard one. I feel like maybe we needed like 10 years to answer that question. Unless like you really do have something that's like really immediate. Like picking a very specific. I'm gonna, so hard. I'm trying to give you some time. Picking, Thank you. <laughs> picking like a very specific moment in time is like really hard for me on questions like that. For me, it's more of like an idea. Right. Like maybe like a, it, it's, it's much broader than that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's hard for me to say like, oh, well, yeah, it was Tuesday, October, uh, 1999, mm-hmm. you know, and I was sitting in class in my algebra class and I was just, uh, I don't know. <laughs> this is sounding like the worst day of my life. A yeah. Tuesday algebra, yeah, algebra class. Yeah. 99. <laughs> we're on the precipice of the end of the world. It's Y2K baby. It's scary. Uh, so yeah. You got anything? <laughs> I, uh, I, I think it, uh, it's, it's, that's really hard. I would have to pick a when and where happiest at different phases in life. I think, yeah, I feel like this is a terrible question. This is stupid. Throw it out. How about this? Give me just like when and like when, just one time, like that where you just felt like that blissed out yeah. happiness. The uh, Tuesday at work. Tuesday at work in algebra class. Um, <laughs> oh, God. No. Uh, Kyle and I have been on a few trips, just the two of us, uh, vacations, mm-hmm. and just sitting on a beach in the Caribbean with nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, similar to one of my questions on one of these last ones, because I'm so introverted, I get overwhelmed really easily at making a ton of plans, particularly when I'm on vacation. I like push back on making plans. Like, I don't even want to think about dinner until it's dinner time. Like, I don't want to talk about it. The biggest plan I have is to walk from here to there because the bar's over there and I need a margarita. Like, when I'm on vacation, I'm full on, I'm on vacation. So there have been a few times we've been in the Caribbean where I'm just laying on the beach. I'm not working. I don't, I don't even have my computer. I have no phone with me and just totally alone with Kyle. Mm-hmm. We're totally alone together. It feels, when I'm with him, again, to the point about greatest loves of your life, I think one of the benefits of having someone that you've been with for as long as he and I have been together is it does, we just feel like the same person sometimes. So it doesn't feel like I have to entertain anybody. It doesn't feel like. You don't have to do that small talk. Don't have to do anything. Mm -hmm. You just, you are not responsible for anything. So. You just exist. That. And then the other time I was thinking of was, um, Kyle and I have actually talked about this before. I have a good friend whose parents had a lake house while we were in college. And the feeling of getting in the car and driving to the lake house on a Friday afternoon and like knowing you had nothing to do and nowhere to be and no one to talk to except your friends, that freedom uh, was a very happy time. Hmm. I do feel like it's, I think we're hitting on something really good here. Which is freedom is good. good don't get old yeah <laughs> don't get old um you just kind of like this idea of like it's any time in my life where I have stopped myself and been like you need to remember this moment mm. I want you to capture every single detail that you can stop fiddling with everything around you and just be here and I think the most recent time I've had that feeling is I just, well, I just came back from Ireland. Mm. So, which is, I, I've been to Ireland before, but I, I, I think it just reminded me 
it reminded me just how magical it is. Mm. It's not like I haven't seen rolling green hills before, mm-hmm. but their rolling green hills are the nicest. You know, I don't. The grass know. is always greener. I've heard. Um, on Ireland's side, um, <laughs> but just there was something about like standing on a cliff, and there's like a lot of cliffs in Ireland. Standing on a cliff <laughs> sounds very dangerous to me. I was told to back up from the cliffs several times <laughs> and warned several times that I was being ridiculous because I was like right at the edge, like trying to take pictures. And I was like on my hands and knees like crawling across and they're like, okay, Selena, you're banned. This is not going well. Yeah. You're the reason they put up walls. Um, so, uh, but just standing there in that moment and like feeling so small, but like in a good way mm. and just like, feeling I also like that feeling when you're somewhere completely different from your home but there is something that feels similar about it because I think that helps me remember like we're all <laughs> we're all the same mm-hmm. no matter how many differences we try to put between ourselves and someone else like we're all the same we see blue sky we see ground like and we're like Sometimes you're all standing on what feels like the edge of the earth, but it's not really the edge of the earth, you know? Mm. Um, And I just think there's something so beautiful about feeling like just like one cell almost on this entire like huge globe and just feeling like a part of it. That's deep. And not having to go to work is also really just sweetens the deal. I kind of was wondering if that was the theme underlying all of our happiest moments. Well, in no responsibilities, right? No responsibilities. Yeah, yeah. Just like not having to worry about taking out the trash or, you know, going to the grocery store. All these just mundane things that you just, like I've told someone before, maybe I've told you this before, but like sometimes life starts to feel like just one giant task mm-hmm. where it feels like all of life feels like the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Like where I'm literally like, I'm like, I'm putting things in a cart to take them home to again, take them out of the car and put the, like this whole process is just like, I cannot believe that this is the things that are going on. So anything you can do to like break up your routine sometimes can just be a really beautiful thing. So all right, guys, what do y'all think? We're going to go around one by one. <laughs> I was trying to transition into the episode, how mundane life is, but how grateful we each are to be here and to not be facing heart attacks like this week's episode. That There you go. There you mm, I tried. Yeah. I was grasping for straws. Hulu says, Reese hopes to prove he's more fit than his visiting buddy and sometime rival and challenges him to an arm wrestling contest. Yeah, that's what happened in this episode. It just doesn't even, like, it doesn't sound inviting at all. come on. Over Julia's protest, Reese strains himself to the limit and suffers a heart attack. Well, they just jumped right into it. Uh, IMDB says, when Reese suffers a heart attack, Julia is reminded of how her husband died. This is reminding me of how IMDB has the superior descriptions. Yeah, I think, but, like, it's good because, like, you get a little piece of everything. Well, the the Hulu one was so detailed but didn't (laughs) actually talk about the episode, the real parts. Mm -hmm. The arm wrestling contest, that's the thing we want to talk about in this whole episode. Anywho, uh, November 9th, 1987 is when this aired. Um, Oh, I wanted to point out the other thing about the descriptions. I wouldn't necessarily expect them to put this in the description, maybe, but it is a subplot that's kind of important that uh, Sugar Bakers has a client who died mid-project, Helen Jane. 
Right, that would have made much more sense probably than the arm wrestling contest. Yes. Like, they could have just, you could have just tacked that on to the IMDB one probably. So I have, I'm, I'm going to write a new one. When Reese suffers a heart attack, Julia is reminded of how her husband died. Meanwhile, Sugar Bakers faces the loss of its first client mid-project. There you go. How hard is that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Maybe we could like come out with a master class. On, on writing episode writing descriptions from two people who have never written episode descriptions. <laughs> we are We're doing the it all the time now. <laughs> These or people haven't either. Hulu can just hire us. So this one was written by LBT and it was directed by Matthew Diamond. Uh, Selena points out here that he last directed Oh Susanna, another emotional episode. Season one high. Thank you for that because I think I've got some words missing here. Um, in trivia, Risa's friend Sheffield is played to be his same age, but in real life, he's 15 years younger than Hal Holbrook, the actor who plays Reese. Mm -hmm. De deception. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's jump into general reactions. Okay. And my general reaction is I need a therapy session on this one. Mm -hmm. I need you to help me break down why I did not find this episode emotional at all. Oh. It was aiming for me to cry. I, I think it's a reflection of the fact that I don't give a hoot about Reese. Oh, okay, okay. But I'm I'm worried. Is there something wrong with me? You weren't moved by Suzanne and Julia? Not in a, like an emotional way. In a like, I'm fangirling over Suzanne. Heck yeah. yes. If something bad happens in my life, do I want Suzanne there? Yes. Mm -hmm. But like their relationship, I didn't really do much for me. Mm -hmm. And it, maybe that's just because it stems from Reese. I think so. No? Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think that's crazy. Like if you, did you cry? Don't. Oh, I cried at like every episode. I know. So did you cry at this one? Um, think? I, th I think I did cry a little bit. Not about Reese though. I think it was, um, Julia's one of the reaction. hospital scenes. Oh. Like, um, and it was like Suzanne stepping up to the plate mm -hmm. and it was, like um, Julia talking a little bit about what it was like to lose her husband and stuff like that. I thought all of that was well played and mm. well done. And um, I think I had told you, like, when I watched, like, maybe the first nine episodes, I cried every time. And I was like, yeah. what's wrong with me? Yeah. Well, it was probably PMSing. <laughs> <laughs> Don't discount your feelings by pointing out hormonal imbalances. <laughs> or am I just regulating and checking in with myself that might be it so um i did only i only have one general reaction it, which is that like i i think one of the things that did not work for me was so when he has a heart attack they did this like uh oh something is wrong musical cue mm. and it made the whole moment feel super cheesy oh really yeah and i was like i can't even like get into this because it's like it's it's literally like a, <laughs> a bum, bum, bum. but how else would you know to be worried probably him clutching his heart and falling to the ground i thought he was saying i love julia well he probably was <laughs> uh so you have lots of strays then i wouldn't say lots what do you have and then i think the most important one what kind of law does reese practice that would put him in a courtroom, merging 
Sheffield's film company with a corporation, but also Helen Jane's will. First, did I stump you? Well, yes, but also I'm over here just happy that someone besides me took the time to think about that. (laughs) (laughs) Because that sounds like a really me thing to think through. Um, Yeah, it's a great question. I just think they needed a lawyer in the room to hand them Helen Jane's, whatever her name is, Helen Jane, to hand the will. And hey, Reese is a lawyer. It was just so random to me. Yeah. Bothered by that. Well, I I guess this is a gap for me because my barrister knowledge is not up to (laughs) par. So, like, I don't know. Like, is there, like, a, you know how, like, there's, like, a general health care provider? I don't think there's any reason he couldn't do both. Okay. I just don't think that's generally what people do. Right. So, you just think they were, like, playing a little loose and Yeah. So, like, okay, say he's a big corporate lawyer and that's what he does day to day. Mm -hmm. But he has a neighbor who needs their will executed and they're chatting in the yard and he says yeah i'm a lawyer i can do your will that's one thing Mm -hmm. so maybe he's neighbors with helen jane i don't know but she didn't really seem to be someone that we're supposed to know who she is she's just a client of sugar bakers so what are the odds that the big corporate lawyer is the one she went to for her will yeah yeah and now i'm starting to think we've spent too much time on this given that we have no answers but it really got under my skin That's what stray observations and podcasts are all about. The other one I had was that um, Reese says about Julia, well, the way I try to look at it is, yes, it's true. I don't deserve her, but then neither does anyone else. So I may as well have her to myself. That's the second or third time we've heard that line. Oh. That was in season, Julia said it for sure once in season one. About him? About him. Mm -hmm. When they first start dating but then i thought he said it again later so i'm just so curious if if this is a a side effect of we weren't ever supposed to be able to see these episodes back to back to back so maybe Mm -hmm. the hope was we would forget it like it's just like golden line in her mind Mm -hmm. so she keeps coming back to it or if this line means something to lbt Mm -hmm. like she heard it at some point or it's supposed to be an underpinning of their relationship or something hmm it's also, I don't know why, I just don't really love that compliment I've ever said. Mm. Um, I don't know why. It just feels like a throwaway to me. Um, yeah, it feels like, why not me? Which I say all the time. <laughs> so why not me? I could win the lottery. Yeah. It could be me. It could be you. I hope it's you. <laughs> I do too. I don't know what that'll do for me, but I You'll lose me as a friend. You. Oh, you're going to go into hiding? I'm gone. Mm. And you'll know seven to ten days after the lottery. I when I don't show up anywhere. I appreciate that about you. So that's what you got to do. You don't want to get the curse of the lottery. This is true. The uh, what do you have in strays? So Charlene's whole diatribe about where has Al Pacino been? Oh, <laughs> so I had to look at it. Oh, uh huh. Um, and like he did steadily work from like the '60s to the '80s, but he does have like a four or five year gap from like the mid to late 80s so so like 60s to the 80s he's very consistent and then just so maybe i would have noticed that if i lived in the 80s when she said that i meant to look into it and i never did but when i think of al pacino i think of mm, that's dustin hoffman Uh (laughs) uh-oh i think of the graduate (laughs) i was gonna say scent of a woman oh that's him that's al pacino Mm mm-hmm 
And that feels like an 80s movie to me. It's in the 90s. But Aww. very early 90s. Aww. Chris O'Donnell. Mm-hmm. It's a great movie. It is a good movie. Hoo-ah! Do you there like you, that? There you go. Okay. I just got fired from the podcast, there I you. think. Um, it, is a, it is a great movie. I love Al Pacino. Um, okay. I did have some more. And it doesn't really matter, but we do hear about Reese's children for the first time. Oh. Ansel and Margaret. Oh, okay. They already sound like their grandparents. <laughs> Sorry, Margaret. <laughs> um, her husband's last name, Julia, uh, was McElroy. I didn't hear that. Well, I just thought that was interesting because it means that she... I I, I decided to take the leap that mm-hmm. she did not change her name back to Julia Sugarbaker, which right. means that she kept the name Sugarbaker, which feels very progressive for the times. So I'm making a lot of leaps there. That might may or may not be true. Um, seeing your eyes bat back and forth. Do you want me to ask you what you're thinking? Okay. I, I wonder if this episode was weird or difficult for Hal Holbrook and Dixie Carter to do. Oh. Because they were married in real life. Did you know that? That they were married in real life? <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, maybe. I mean, I know that's their day job and everything, but think about, uh, let me hearken back to our last episode. Um, let's see if I can go all the way back. I'm just kidding, guys. We recorded the same episode today. So <laughs> three, we were recording three episodes today. So it's going to sound different for you. Same for us. Uh, we're, uh, Nikki did an excellent extra sugar about Gerald McRaney and um, Delta, Delta Burke. Burke. And, and uh, that woman. And the other one. And uh, part of what you talked about was, uh, excuse me, Mac. Um, I mean, we're not friends, so he may we not, are. We, we, he may not appreciate me talking about him that way. Barbara Walters says that's his preferred name, so even not, by strangers, I guess. Okay, so but Mac talks about like how he used like he couldn't even fully think about Delta Burke passing mm-hmm. when he was like trying to get in the right whatever frame for This Is Us, mm-hmm. and so I'm just thinking like even if it is their day job to be actors and put themselves in these situations, it does feel like it ups the Annie mm-hmm. when it's your actual partner that you're pretending like whose health is on the line. Mm-hmm. So like, it would be hard for me for like Casey to like grab his chest, pretend like fall down and me catch him because it would make my mind go crazy places. Mm-hmm. And everyone knows I'm an excellent actor. So there's that. And her mind naturally goes crazy places. One of these things is true. <laughs> Uh, is it weird? This is my last stray. Mm-hmm. Is it weird that Mary Jo didn't know who Carl was at the funeral? Carl was the <laughs> husband. Okay, here. Okay, because all of the designing women, sugar bakers, and Anthony, except for Julia, because you know she couldn't make it, they're all sitting around him. But then she gets up and she's like, Carl, where are you, Carl? Carl. Maybe she was disoriented from the stage. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe she got turned around. Also, hmm, the staff at their interior design firm was their closest friends. Yeah. That's weird, right? Unless that relationship was established already. Yeah. So. Well, I don't know because Reese was executing her will. And so again, like maybe there's a story there that like they're family friends, her and Reese and by like extension Julia. What if we like go through all of this and at the end we just go, she made the right decision. (laughs) Why we chatted about all that? (laughs) These idiots. We don't know what we're talking about. (laughs) Do you want to talk about 
the many, 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 the long, long list of all the things that you liked. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it might be shorter than you like. Kick us off. Uh, Suzanne in this episode, like that moment where they were in the waiting room and she has just done all the things she needs to do. Like all the mature things to take care of in this situation. And it was such a departure for her character. Mm -hmm. But it was one of those things where I love when we just turn the character ever so slightly and they catch the light a different way. Like you get Mm -hmm. a different facet of their personality. And I just thought that was so cool. I thought that was, it was fun to watch her get to be the hero. Yeah. and, And the adult in the room basically. Okay. So let's just say that you have been told the first part of this episode and but you knew they were all going to wind up in the hospital together mm-hmm. to support Julia. Who would you have anticipated would have stepped up to the plate? Charlene. Same. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it, it was definitely a surprise. In fact, I think the only thing that, that, that kind of almost took me out of it was that Charlene and Mary Jo had thought of nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, and I real and I understand why it was written that way mm-hmm. to give Suzanne kind of this pedestal to sit on for the episode. Right. It just, I was just like, mm, <laughs> that's weird. Like they haven't thought of anything. anything. <laughs> Hyper-focused. They're just there. Yeah. Um, they're just wall decoration or something in that beautiful <laughs> lobby area. Um, yeah. So was that? I had one other thing, which was that funeral of that old woman. Um, That scene where Mary Jo reads the letter at the funeral is so random, like out of left field. I know they set it up at the beginning of the episode, Mm -hmm. but like what purpose it serves, I'm still not entirely sure I know, except it was freaking hilarious. When that that lady in the back of the room passes out, they don't show her, but you can hear her go, oh, and then a thud. (laughs) And they're like, oh, Vivian must be here. That was the funniest thing I've seen in the last like, Maybe this whole season. Yeah. I, I laughed out loud multiple times. Well, um, so Annie Potts, it's, she's, I think she's such a good actor. She's very funny. And I thought that, like, she just is, like, her charisma is off the charts. She plays a nervous Nelly like nobody else. And the funny thing is, is it like, do you remember her character from Ghostbusters? Yes. It's so different. And I think that's, I think, I believe I've heard that's consistent with her in, no, I know it is. When I was doing my Delta Burke deep dive, um, it, that's consistent with her in real life. She is uh, laid back, new agey, um, yeah, super not like over the top like Mary Jo is. Yeah. So I I don't know. I just, I I thought she did such a good job. Her she comic timing was so funny. It was on point. <laughs> I mean, she, you would never know that, obviously she practiced these lines, right? Unless yeah. they did something where they sort of fed it to her, which is entirely possible to make it organic or as organic as possible. But I was just so, I wrote it down. Do you want me to read The whole it? thing? Yes, please. I was just thinking I'm going to have to rewatch it. Okay, so I, just to uh, orient folks, or reorient, hopefully we're reorienting you, but, yeah. um, uh, you know, so Julia is supposed to deliver this speech that you're not supposed to see, just something that this woman who's passed away has written 
You don't even know it's to her husband yet. She's just put it in an envelope and said she wants it read at her funeral. By Julia. By Julia. And no one else. Mm -hmm. And so Julia is obviously caught up with Reese and everything that happened to him. And so Mary Jo (laughs) kind of draws the short straw. It's like the worst person to probably do it. (laughs) Um, And so she gets up there not knowing what's going to be in this letter. And and I I wrote uh, down a part of it. Um, Let's see. So. I could take the stinginess, the selfishness, the lying, and all the other low-down, bug-level baseness, but I cannot take you in Vivian Blanchard in a cheap Biloxi hotel on the night of my hysterectomy, you son of a... Is that the word I think it is? Gun, low-life, society-licking bastard. (laughs) So she says it a lot more slowly. She's, like, stumbling her way through it. It's just wonderful, but it's like... It's so random. Like, how are these two people even married? <laughs> so, I think that's what 60 years of marriage will do to you. <laughs> I'm like, just get divorced. Like, don't, don't hold in there They're that staying long together for the kids. Bad. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, they don't have kids. What's happening? <laughs> um, but uh, it was just... It was everything. So. It was so... I really enjoyed that scene. I just died. It kind of saved the episode. It really did. Yeah. It really did. So that's all I had on likes. All right. Let's talk about what we didn't like. Let's talk about what we didn't like. Uh, mm, the super fun double trouble hit of Reese and Sheffield. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Y'all know how I feel about Reese. I haven't been guarded in it. He's not my favorite kind of guy. Uh, Sheffield like one ups him. Pompous. He's, he's very arrogant. He is um, full of these stories. And it's weird. Like when they're, having the dinner and Reese walks in after Sheffield has told all these stories to the women. And he says, don't go telling him about X, Y, and Z and lists off the three stories this man has just told. So he only has three stories, mm-hmm. but he wants you to believe he's living the best life ever. Mm-hmm. sounds like their time at Yale law together was terrible. Mm-hmm. And there's the whole taking a pass at Julia thing and saying like, I'd give up my friendship with my 30 or 40 year friendship with Reese. If I could have you. Yeah. So weird. And on the back end, because she also, like, before he actually does, like, the whole buildup of this has been that, like, Reese doesn't trust him, right? That's built through the whole show. And at the very end is when he hits on her. Yeah. But right before that, she goes into this whole thing about how he's been amazing and he's been helpful and thank you for staying around and all this stuff. And that's kind of what he takes as the opening. Yeah. And it's just, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't even really match up. So you're going to stick around. You're going to do all this stuff for him. But then you're also like, well, if I can get me a little something. Yeah. I'll just throw away this whole relationship. Yeah. So like, also it's like skeevy, but like also like it, doesn't really feel like a full character. Disconnected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that was like the main thing I couldn't handle was mm-hmm. just the, those two same, I mean, very similar men are now in competition with one another. And I can tell you, watching two men I don't have a lot of respect for compete with one another is not my idea of a good time. That's yeah. 22 minutes of my life if you multiply it by the three times I watched it that I will never get back. Also, like, it's just another, we've talked about toxic masculinity and what another, and maybe this is part of like, maybe this is part of where LBT was going with this. Like, this is the kind of stupid crap that happens when you decide to act like an ass. Yeah. You know, because like. When you start just, arm wrestling at 65. Oh my God. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> so weird. It's so strange. They better have been several drinks in. 
I'm uh, hoping they were. I assumed they were. It's just so, it's just silliness. Yeah. Um, so did, were there other things that, well, since we're still on Sheffield, cause I've got a whole thing that I want to say about Reese. Okay. Okay. But since we're still on Sheffield, um, when he comes on to her, one thing that I didn't like about that was that besides the fact that it just happened and that was a really unfair position for him to put her in mm-hmm. w- was this idea that like she says she feels stupid for not believing Reese. And I think that's really unfair. Um, you know, why should she feel bad because she's caught in the middle of some 30 plus year old competition between these two man babies? You know, she was like, to me, my perception of that scene was that she was taking on some of the guilt. Like, oh, why didn't I listen to Reese? Oh. That's how it felt to me. Like, he's been telling me this whole time, and I just believe that, like, you were like this, that you were fine. And that you really just were interested in helping and being around. I didn't take it. I, I think that's a good perspective. I didn't take it that way. I took it more as, like, Julia doesn't like to be caught off guard, and she certainly doesn't like to say she's wrong. Yeah. So... She's sort of like, oh, my God, all the signs were there. And he was even telling me. And I still missed it. Yeah. How horrible. I, that's how I took it. Well, I like your perspective, too. <laughs> all right, moving on. Perfect. Um, with Reese, that line, he says, I'm uh, obviously going out with the wrong sugar baker sister. No, uh-uh. He said, I'm obviously messing around with uh-huh. the wrong sugar baker sister. Uh-huh. Okay. Which is like more disrespectful language in my opinion, which is why I'm pointing it out. Yo, yeah, I figured. I'm obviously messing around with the wrong sugar baker sister. So, you I go understand mess around with yourself. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Sorry. You mess around with yourself in <laughs> your time. Reese springs the worst out in me. Well, it's just it's like you're saying, like you're not a fan. It just makes it so hard to like him. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if I, I I'm sure he didn't feel quite as obnoxious in 1987. Mm-hmm. I truly yeah. believe that. I yeah. truly believe that today, I'm not, look, we got lots of problems, but I truly believe that today we're like, uh-uh, mm. you need to cut that out. Mm-hmm. Nobody's got time for it. Yeah. Um. So I just think he's being very insensitive. So Julia is worried about him. That's it. All she's trying to do is like take care of him. He just had a heart attack. And, you know, all he can do is comment on the fact that his bottom half hasn't been attended to. Get out of here. And that he feels babied and is totally preoccupied with this whole jealousy thing with Sheffield. That scene toward the end with Julia and Reese and Suzanne sitting there. First of all, I think the the interactions between the three of them all together are so... um... They're just very familial and very comfortable, which I, mm-hmm. I do appreciate. I appreciate that it feels like they really are family. Which makes sense because I think they really were like family in real yeah. life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I appreciate how like, you know, close together they feel. Um, I will say to defend Reese, um, again, going back to the issue of toxic masculinity, I think he already was feeling something about his age and his like health compared to Sheffield vitality. And so for him to be the one that has the heart attack after Sheffield told him, you know, I run 15 miles a day, whatever, the Mm. least you could do is like, you know, go for a walk or something to be the one that has the heart attack probably does. It takes your ego takes a hit with that. And then to have your woman friend, I was going to say girlfriend to have your person like mother henning you probably doesn't feel so great. So, but the bottom half thing I didn't appreciate. So I, t- I, I, I understand that. And I think that's a very valid point. The other thing that was really insensitive about it, though, is Julia's husband died from yes. the same thing. Yeah. So 
stop acting like a douchebag yeah. for like two seconds and think about her yeah i mean because like you just imagine like what she is going through on like a psychological oh emotional the level worst, you know? also also let's just pile on well i'm gonna go i'm going broader here why are men the worst <laughs> when they're sick <laughs> it's so bad it's so bad. It's bad. It's rough. I don't understand. Is it but I wonder, is it because technically, sure, you call it the a life cycle for women, but is it possibly because we're sick once a month? <laughs> so Kyle says often, it seems so hard to be a woman, which I appreciate. I think uh -huh. some women don't like to hear that. I appreciate him acknowledging that because seriously from the time you're like 12 or 13, for three or four days, you are deeply uncomfortable. And you live in a world of discomfort. Three or four days a month. Three or four days a month. Yeah, sorry. Three or four days Three a or four days your entire life, you are uncomfortable. <laughs> three or four days a month. That's a lot or more. of days. Or it could be more. That's a lot of days to feel borderline uncomfortable. And it starts before cramps start. You start mm -hmm. with the headache. I get a headache the week before my period. A nonstop headache. Mm -hmm. You have a headache. Then you bleed. Like half the month you're uncomfortable. Every male listener just bowed out. I know. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I'm not. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't you be sorry. It's part. I always force Casey to listen to things because <laughs> I think it's penance. Not, I'm like, no, what they did to me at the gynecological office today. <laughs> we talk about that a lot I'm, without gory details, but I'm like, I have to do that once a year. Mm-hmm. Legs up in a stirrup and let somebody and dig around lucky, inside me. Because sometimes people have to go in multiple times if something's going on. This is what I'm saying. So it's just that it's a lot. The whole thing, toe, and I'm toe not gonna, to eyelash is just a lot of upkeep. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hold men accountable for that for not having that experience. I do just want acknowledgement that it is harder to be a woman. That's all I'm asking for. Well, all I'm asking for is to not be a baby when you're sick. <laughs> Just, I don't care. Be a baby if you want. Just don't expect me to baby you. Oh, there you go. There you go. Well, I don't know. It's kind of like if someone's a really big sports fan. <laughs> I just feel like I'm Selena's really stepping I, into her element I here. I feel like I'm code talking about Casey though, is what I'm saying. <laughs> but like, it's Casey is not the only person who's I, who's who's done this, and he's not that bad. Because honestly, like, I cannot stand it when people like their favorite sports team and they decide to like something. Like, they lose. Yeah, you're right. All my words are not good here. But, like, their favorite team loses, and then they proceed to make everyone else's life around them mm, miserable. Mm -hmm. This is my problem. If you are sick and you just want to be, like, a butthead, but in a room by yourself, totally fine. Cool. But if you come out of the room and you decide to make everyone else miserable, and this is anybody. This is not, this is more than just penises. And you decide to make everyone, I had to get it in there. had to get it in there. There's a joke in there somewhere too. <laughs> then that is my problem. Yeah. Because you should, and I think that's the thing. Like we have to suck it up and figure our way through it once a month. So if we can do that 12 times a year and then, oh, oh we also get sick like regular human beings. Right. You know, just work with us. That's all I'm saying. How much of this is going to make it into the final podcast? <laughs> I've lost the thread of relevance to the show. Reese being like a baby Real while nail. he was sick. I hate Reese. <laughs> Look, you found the thread. <laughs> Back in the game. So, would you like to rate this sucker? I would. What you got? 
elderly arm wrestling matches. I'm going to go with that one. <laughs> what was yours? I didn't have one. Oh, that's what that face was. Uh-huh. Okay. Just elderly arm wrestling matches. I like it. A two out of five. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I have in my notes I hated this episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That feels excessive. One, it's just boring. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of boring. Like, you remember when Charlene had her health scare mm-hmm. and I was like on pins and needles to see what happened to her mm-hmm. with Reese. I was just like, can I just fast forward to the end and see if he's still around? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is horrible. But I just think that reflects my... But not really because he's a character and not a real person. Good so call. It's probably fine. Hal Holbrook was probably lovely and I would have worried about him personally. I think he actually... And I, I've said this before. I think that's the thing that makes this hard for me is like, I think... The things I've read and seen about him do seem perfectly lovely. And so it's just, it just doesn't, it falls apart for me a little bit. Part two is why are men so creepy on this show? Like Mm. his fixation with Julia was like super uncomfortable. Sheffields or? Sheffields. Uh Yeah. He's like, uh, I don't know how fast he like threw out everything to like, even just ask her on a date was just, I don't, it was and this is like a continuing thing. We just watched Dash Goff, mm-hmm. who we went on at length about. So, like, I just wish we could have a, a male character that I really enjoy. Anthony. Well, yeah. Just that. I wish that... we could have a male character who's, like, interacting with our ladies in a romantic way and treating them well. I think we're going to get one. Who? Oh. It's a surprise. Quint. Huh? Nothing. Oh, Quint. <laughs> All right, well, What's your rating? <laughs> I think I'm going to give this one a three out of five. Oh, generous. Well, I'm only doing it. Because of the arm wrestling match. Arm wrestling match and just Reese Watson. Um, no, <laughs> I am doing that because I so, so, so enjoyed Suzanne. And, oh. and her part of this episode. And Vivian falling on the floor at the funeral. You got it. God, that was funny. Yeah, and Mary Jo. I think they. I think those two things together, I didn't care really about any other part of this episode. But I, I think it was worth watching the whole thing just to see Mary Jo. Oh, you're right. Maybe a 2.75. Oh, look at you with the decimals. <laughs> Combination of either 80s, Southern, or Unknown References. There was a slew. Gosh, I'm telling you. When uh, Sheffield did his like Hollywood spiel. So I just wrote them down quickly. Warren Beatty, Al Pacino, Kirk Douglas, Brooke Shields, and Prince. And there was one in there I had to look up. Okay. <laughs> Should I go into it now? Um, <laughs> I had it under yeah. references I had to look up. Uh, it was okay. Ishtar. Yep. Ishtar was a 1987 American adventure comedy film. Uh, it was produced by Warren Beatty and co-star who co-starred opposite Dustin Hoffman. So I Dustin Hoffman's on the brain? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wikipedia said the film polarized critics and became a notorious failure at the box office. Many have considered it to be one of the worst films ever made, although critical support for the film has grown strongly since its release. I have literally never heard of this movie. It sounds like a good plot. Well, I'd heard of it. I just thought that it was mythological. Oh, there's something about Ishtar. Ishtar. Yeah. yeah. So did you look up the plot? No. Okay. So the plot is that two terrible lounge singers 
Um, they book some kind of gig in Morocco and then they get swept up in an international power play between the CIA, uh, the Emir of Ishtar and the rebels trying to overthrow his regime. So it, like, I could see like two goofball, like it, like mixes, like some comedy and some action or something. Nikki's face says that she would not be interested in this film. My favorite thing about looking into this was actually the fact that it was nominated for and won a Razzie, but it was also nominated for a Stinker's Bad Movie Award. <laughs> I've never heard of that. <laughs> Me neither, but it's now my favorite thing ever. Oh my and gosh. I, I was like, what, what a Stinker's Bad Movie. Like, you know it's bad when you need to say Stinker's I wish I had thought of that bad. first. It's a great name, isn't it? That is fantastic. Uh, did you have other combination? Things? No. Okay. I feel like you're going to have to hold me accountable because I think we did something where we, like all the slew of references, I threw in my references. Oh, I see. Okay. That'll make sense to me and you and to no one else, I think. <laughs> Which incidentally makes for great listening. <laughs> um, so another one that felt to me like it's like it was 80s and it was something I needed to look up was um, Bridget Nielsen's Stallone. No, oh, yep. I got so that one too. I, I know who she is. Um, but I just wanted, I was interested because, and I knew she was married to Stallone cause she's just Bridget Nielsen now. Um, but I was just interested, like, why was that a talk of the time? Because the reference in the show is about tabloids. Mm -hmm. And so, and I didn't really understand a lot about their marriage or their breakup. So, uh, this would have been around the time period when they divorced. They've been married two years after meeting on Rocky four, she was 22 and he was 17 years older. And it sounds like they were just in the tabloids like a lot at that time. And even just that general setup with that age difference and probably some sort of whirlwind romance, I'm guessing. Just fodder, mm -hmm. um, I'm imagining. I mainly remember her from Beverly Hills Cop 2. And then... I always think of her in those reality shows. I thought you were going to say you mainly remembered her for dating Flavor Flav. <laughs> I, I, well, so it's, I, I forgot. I knew that was a spinoff, but I couldn't remember what show it spun off of. Oh, uh -huh. Do you remember? It's in there. Are you sure you want to remember or you want me to just tell you? It's a rehab. It's like rehab, right? It's the surreal life. Oh. So they would take all these celebrities and like throw them in a house together. Oh, and that's not what I was thinking. Oh, okay. I thought she went on a rehab Celebrity show. Rehab. Yeah, I thought she went on a rehab show. Anywho, go ahead. It's po possible she was on that one too. I don't. Carry on. I don't remember. But she was so surreal life. That's where she met Flavor Flav, and then they had a spinoff and had their own show. And yeah. then he spun off from that. And I used to watch all of those shows. Flavor, <laughs> uh, Flavor Flav of Love, or I have never Flavor watched of any love, of this. Maybe? Flavor of Love. Flavor of Love. I'm like, that sounds better, right? <laughs> Flavor Flav of Love. I think we, it feels like I just went through like the writer's room. We're calling like, uh, Flavor Flav, uh, get all the bad ones out. Um, anyway, so I just, I don't know why. Normally I don't like reality TV, but every now and then <laughs> one will draw me in and I just it's a, ate it's, every single one of those up. This is me and that show on Netflix, uh. Oh. Me too. The one where they all uh, get married. Yes. The engagement one. You're the one that got me hooked on it. I know. It. It's a sickness. Blind. Love is blind. Yeah. And then they did the, <laughs> then they did the reunion. Mm -hmm. I just sat there and watched it mindlessly for hours. That's what they do. God. It's like it's like sugar of TV. Mm -hmm. Just no 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 no. You got to have more. Anyways. It's good, but very little nutritional value. <laughs> mm. You should write. <laughs> 
So uh, another reference that I had was uh, for 80s, and I needed to look up, was just the Double Mint Twins. Oh, yeah. Okay, like, I know, but, like, uh, I found, like, a 1987 version, which I'm pretty sure is the Double Mint Twins they're referring to that Mm. Sheffield dated. I just needed to know. (laughs) Incidentally, if it was, or... If it were, if it was, those two twins. Twere it, the twins. Oh, I like that. Uh, these two held the role for the longest, for 10 years, starting in 1985. How old were they in 1985? Like 16? I hope they were older than 18, <laughs> if they were dating Sheffield. Well, that's why I went with 15 or 16, because then that would have made them 18 by 87. Oh, okay. Either way. Ew. Hmm. Uh, and then I was wondering if you noticed in the hospital waiting room, Oh, I think something got moved online oh, <laughs> in my notes. Perfect. Don't worry about that. Southern... Th- oh, that's not true. <laughs> Nobody cares about your order, I'm Selena. I'm killing it. <laughs> so this is an 80s reference alone. I thought I saw a cigarette machine in the oh. hospital lobby. <laughs> I just... It was a it was a crazy time. You just smoke it up in the that hospitals. That man is in airplanes. the hospital for heart attack. For a heart attack. Just, <laughs> People are smoking in the waiting room. Again, I'm an ex-smoker, so I I hear myself. Hypocrite. <laughs> well, you weren't smoking in the hospital, were you? Did, uh, not that I recall. Do you have any 80s references that you would like to share? Double mint twins. Double mint twins, so I stole yours. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can live with it, though. Okay. Uh, Southern things. Another Scarlett O'Hara reference. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Biloxi reference. You you just read it when you read the letter. Biloxi, Mississippi. Uh, and Pa Kettle. Mm-hmm. I had to look this up because that's what Reese references. Right. Um, it sort of seemed like, and I didn't write down a very, I didn't write down a description at all. So this is going solely on memory. It sort of seemed like the Beverly Hillbillies. I thought so too. Mm-hmm. I can't tell which was the chicken and which was the egg. Well, or was it the chicken or the egg? I think it's... However the, that goes. I, it, it sort of seems like it has to be the chicken. So I did write down... I, I, I wrote down a little thing because I knew I wouldn't remember it. I do know who Ma and Pa Kettle are, sort of because my aunt really loves their something. And I say... Here's the reason I say something. Because I can't remember if she was watching the movie or the TV series or what. I can't remember. I just know that she... Like, her and... Her husband both really, my uncle, they both really like it. Can I clarify? When you say you think it was the chicken, you think that, does that mean it came first or second? Oh, yeah. Because mom, pa, kettle. Well, there's a disagreement. Is it an egg first or is it a chicken first? Oh, well, I guess that's the whole, yeah, that's the whole thing. So I want to know which one you think came first. Oh! (laughs) Mm. So now we know Selena thinks the the chicken came first. Yeah, and I don't even know what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the kettles came first. Uh. Now, when you say that, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, so yes, it was first a movie and like several of them, and they ran from the 40s to the 50s. But then there was a TV series, series, ugh, a TV series that ran for a year, and then there was a cartoon. Oh, so okay. it sounds like there were several iterations, and that's why I said whatever it was that she watched. Got it. Um. It, I agree. It focused on a hillbilly couple navigating farm life with their large family. But you know, the thing is, is like, I think there was like an obsession period with that for like a moment. I've read about it somewhere. Maybe it was when I was reading this. I don't remember. But um, like, that's one of the ways that Hollywood has been fascinated with rural communities. Mm. So we'd like, there was like 
um, green acres, which is where they're rich, and then they wind up having. But they only like the fish out of water. Yes. Rural experiences. Yeah, and this I don't think this necessarily was a fish out of water. Oh, okay. I, I, it really just it, they were navigating farm life. Oh, okay. I thought there was something well, urban in there. So it's because I think the woman who it, it actually I think it started with a book, and that's why I get so confused <laughs> about. There's like a lot of stuff, like. I think it started with a book who was written by a woman. This was her neighbors when she moved somewhere else. Okay. So I think it, like, while, well, maybe it is a fish out of water thing, I guess, because, like, them moving to a rural area and watching Ma, pa, Mom Paw Kettle. Okay. And kind of, like, their experience of seeing them in this yep. rural setting. That makes sense. Okay. So while this has the South written all over it, it actually, like, it turns out the characters are based on this woman's experience in Washington State. Oh. So, because wouldn't you have thought I South? Would have. Except there's a movie called Black Sheep mm-hmm. with uh, Chris, Chris Farley. Mm-hmm. And he is in a rural area in Washington State. Mm-hmm. And there are very eccentric people there in that movie. So I think Washington State is known for their rural eccentrics. It's like a little... It's like a little southern slice up there <laughs> yep. on the coast. Um, so, yeah, all that to say, where were we in talking? <laughs> <laughs> we're at uh, references. We ne- oh, Well, we're at southern things. Did you have any other southern things? I, I only have one thing that was said by Charlene in reference to Suzanne. She said, most of the time she goes around without the sense God gave a goose. <laughs> and that sounded pretty southern to me. <laughs> What about references you had to look up or that we need to talk about? Uh, you went through the name drop, so we're good there. I looked up Mom Pa Kettle. We've talked extensively about that. You're welcome. <laughs> and then, I hope you loved it. And then uh, the other thing I looked up was a Mercedes 450 SL. Hmm. Only because it's like the second reference we've gotten this season, which felt weird. Anthony uh, references it in his like Anthony-centric episode. Um, no. Okay. Where is it mentioned in this episode? In this one. Sheffield drives it? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I, I asked Casey, who has like a savant level knowledge of cars. Like he didn't even have to think about it because I was like, why do they keep talking about this car? Um, but it was discontinued in 2019, but it's coming back, guys, in 2022. <laughs> As an SL55 and SL63, he's not surprised that they reference it because it's a very popular model. And apparently it's been around since the 1950s. So it might be kind of like that epitome car. Right. Like Um, a Packard, if you will. Like a Packard. (laughs) You know, I'm going to tell you something, Nikki. If a Packard came through and let's just say I was at a car wash, I would stop that man and be like, take a picture with me. Episode five. I was just going to say, if you don't know that reference, then you're not listening to the show. Uh, and then SL, it means sports light. So, okay. Or sport light. Cut lines. <laughs> <laughs> going to get that line cut. I found two. Uh-huh. So one of them was at the beginning of the episode when the women are talking about Bridget Nielsen. Mm-hmm. Suzanne says people have no sense of history anymore. In the original, she goes on to say, I was talking to some Pi Fi Rushies the other day. They don't even know Elizabeth Taylor. Charlene says, oh, that's depressing, isn't it? It makes you wonder what's going to happen after our generation's gone. I bring this up Ooh. because you and I have talked often mm-hmm. about this concept of younger generations not knowing the references of their elders, mm-hmm. their elder millennials, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I... 
it's a real pain point, I feel like, for both of us. Mm-hmm. We both feel pretty strongly that like being young is not an excuse to not understand pop culture references. And more importantly to me, like I appreciate the opportunity to like tell someone, oh, you don't remember behind the music? Let me tell you about David Cassidy. <laughs> like I appreciate that. <laughs> It's more the um, this part where it's like, oh, I, that's before my time. I think I'm way too young for that. Because it sounds like an excuse. It sounds like an excuse. And also, it's super offensive. Right. I'm not super old for knowing who David Cassidy is, who, by the way, was a celebrity before I was a child. Mm-hmm. So I just, I'm sorry. Did I, this recently happen to you? No. Oh, okay. No, it hasn't. Uh, but I just, that that line, when I was reading the cut lines, I'm really trying to limit my commentary on cut lines to things that actually matter to me. That one really darn mattered to me. Can I read you something? Sure. <clears throat> my pet peeve. <laughs> <laughs> when people don't know references outside of their generation. Oh, Sorry, who's Elvis? That was before I was born. Mm-mm-mm. You sound like an idiot. Mm-mm. Educate yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, I have a theory, which I know I've shared with you before, that I think a lot of it right now for this current generation is coming from a place of the way we consume media. Yes. So when I was a kid, we had VHSs lying around that my parents had collected in the 80s, and you had really nothing else to do, so you'd throw it in and you'd watch Rain Man, or what was the one I just mentioned a few minutes ago, Scent of a Woman. Mm-hmm. Do you want to know how I've watched those movies? Because my mom had the VHS, I was home on summer break, and I popped it in and watched it. Mm-hmm. We consume media so differently now that I feel like it's easy to get past some of those things and not see them. So I, I will, an addendum to that, I think another reason, it's not just like the digital aspect of it. And the fact that maybe you don't have access to your mom's tapes or whatever, but mm. it's also this idea that you, everything is, it used to be really general and broad. Everything was meant for everyone. Mm. And as time has gone on and the media landscape has changed. We're so old. Um, well, I was thinking more, it feels like a class. <laughs> like a and media things class. have changed. Well, but everything's like hyper tailored. Yeah, that's so true. So if you want to watch something about green necklaces in the springtime, well, that's wonderful because it's already on Hallmark, your Netflix queue. <laughs> yeah. It just released the green necklaces for springtime collection or whatever. Yeah. So it feels like people just live inside their little bubbles or niches. Also, it's probably a reason why we don't get exposed to enough enough people's perspectives yeah. and leave said bubble because even if we don't agree with other people's bubbles, we need to know about them because it makes us better humans. All of this to say, we're doing this podcast. Selena and I are learning pop culture references as we do this. So there's a lot out there I don't know, but it just meh, tweaks my melon when kids are like, I'm too young. I don't know who. What Michael Jackson? What are you talking about? Thriller. But you know, I've heard people just to say that it's not just us getting old. Yeah. <laughs> because this bothered me with when people our age do it too. Yeah. Because I've definitely like, and it'll be stuff that's like in the early nineties. Yeah. For people our age, I'm like, hello, you were alive in the early nineties. You never popped on the radio. Um. <clears throat> It's a real sensitive spot. That's why I brought that one up. I liked it. What's your other cut line? The second one I brought up was uh, there was a kerfuffle in the waiting room that we didn't get to see. Yes. We have all the ladies together and no Anthony. And then suddenly you get to the waiting room and Anthony's there. Well, there was a kerfuffle. 
I finally pieced it together that it was about Anthony, this cut line, and I'm piecing together that it was racist. (laughs) Indeed. So basically he shows up and there's some kind of security guard or something challenging whether or not he can be there. He's coming to visit and bring food. Right. That's true. Be a good person. Yep. And Anthony calls him racist swine. We didn't get the opportunity to see that. I know. I thought that would have been nice. I think at least that part vindication. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things that Anthony's character has really been applauded for mm-hmm. is for calling people out. Yeah. Um, and in a time where that wasn't as common. Yeah. Uh, I had two other ones. Okay. So before, in you may have mentioned this. I don't know. Uh, so I apologize. Mm. Helen Jane. They do actually. There's a cut line where. They find out that she she passed. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mary Jo goes to pick up some samples from her house. Mm-hmm. And when she does, that's when they find out that she passed. And it kind of just threads it into the episode a little bit more. Well, um, it's good that Valerie or whatever her name was, the Veronica, wasn't <laughs> there when she got there. Yeah. That would have made it even more awkward. That would have been bad. Uh, and then the last one I had is after Chef Kisses Julia... They cut a line where he talks about how he and Reese have always been competitive. But mm. I don't that feels like a good cut. So mm. we we kinda know. We get it. That would have been just a little too much. So next time we get episode eight. Cruising. Mm-hmm. Ing. Cruising. Not cruising. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd love everyone to follow along with us and engage. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Sweet Tea and TV. Email sweet tea TV pod at gmail.com. Uh, where you can send us your Proust answers and let us know what you're learning about yourself. Uh, our website is www.sweettv.com. And hang tight for extra sugar. This week we're going to play our Southern trivia game that we started last season. We're going to bring it back this season. Whoop, whoop. Nikki's about to get real competitive. <laughs> and I'm about to cry. <laughs> we're going to see you around the bend. Bye. Welcome to this week's edition of Extra Sugar. As promised in the episode, we're going to play a Southern trivia game. That's right. Dust off your sweet tea pitchers, grab a rocker on the front porch, and let's get into a game of... Selena, I'm feeling I'm feeling competitive today. <laughs> Just today, huh? Today's the only day. I'm never competitive. Well, are we making any wagers? Oh, I didn't think of this. Let's not do money, because that's too easy. Oh. Uh-huh. Oh, you uh, want to put a bunch of cash on the table? Let's just do a house. Like you just buy me a house. Let's, let's, let's do for pinks. <laughs> <laughs> that took me far too long to figure out what you were saying. Uh, Starbucks feels too easy, too. Ooh, uh, what about a baked good? <sighs> All right. Oh, that's it's investing. you. It's yeah, you. I'm like, do you want my... But it doesn't have to be well, homemade. Uh, okay. Because I'm like, do you want my baked good? Well, it's called a sweet treat. Okay. It doesn't have treat. to be homemade. Okay. It does have to be sweet because I'm more of a sweet person. For me, at least. Mm-hmm. If you want salty, I can go the salty route. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I want that pineapple cake. 
Pineapple cake. Your favorite cake. Oh, pineapple casserole. Casserole, yeah. Casserole. You know, we both just sounded really not Southern just then. I don't even know what that was. Casserole. (laughs) Okay. I'll make you a pineapple casserole. Well, we need something that's equally as big then for me because I want to, you know, it's, I feel like, I feel like I'm asking a lot. I just want something good. Yeah, something good. Something good. Well, we're getting to the season of like pecan pie. Does that feel? I was sort of thinking about asking for a crave pie. Oh, a crave pie. pie. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like the bourbon chocolate one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or a seven sister scones. If now, that's not pushing my luck too far. Uh... I mean, I guess I have to win first. I shouldn't Woo! count my chickens before they hatch. Woo! But. I'm like, well, I, I'll have to go get picked up in person because I tried to get seven <laughs> sisters. And they'll be like, that'll be $200 for shipping and handling. And I was like, Meh. Yeah, you got to go to John's Creek. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can choose. Okay. Really, from, it's surprising. Well, from Crave, do you I want, want it to a be mini something pie or delicious. a whole pie? A mini pie. Okay. I mean, it's, yeah, we're not. Well, that doesn't feel on par with a whole casserole. You see what I'm saying? I feel like my criteria are give me something you think I'll enjoy. Bonus points if it's pretty. Oh, okay. So just so you know, like, or you could just do anything. I feel like this is a conversation that, I mean, we're, we should sweet. have this. You know what? <laughs> we're we'll going to wager. Out. We'll figure that out. We'll, we'll wager. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to lose. So I don't really know what the point is i don't know why i'm so confident that i need to pick out a specific sweet treat you're gonna give me i think me. you do because i'm just looking at these I uh think, i think you do i i should clarify i'm not confident i'm gonna win i genuinely believe that if i want it bad enough it'll happen oh, when it comes nice. that's my my competitive streak and i'm is, over here like god how am i gonna get to this flipping scone place this week <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> no, no, no. I don't know that I'm It'll going to win. I just feel like if I put my head down and try hard enough. So I'm going to start okay. for you. Okay. It's food and drink. Okay. One of the most heated debates in the South is over whether this ingredient should be included in cornbread. Okay. A, corn. <laughs> okay. B, milk. C, sugar. D, salt. Well, it's really funny because I'm more on the eating end of Southern cooking debates and not on the cooking end of Southern (laughs) cooking debates. Um, So you said milk, salt, sugar, or corn? Mm -hmm. I'm going to say sugar. Good on you. I'm wrong. That's right. Okay. Sugar. Sugar is one of the most heated debates in cornbread discussion. Okay. And it is indeed... A heated debate in our house. I agree. Oh, it's a heated debate in your house. Now, see, corn is sweet. Thus, it should be combined with more sugar. <laughs> okay. But I can see why people would say, like, this I cannot. sweet is okay. Well, I'm not getting in this debate with you. Food and drink for Nikki. Okay. <laughs> She's so flexible, guys. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, no. Oh, this is so easy. Oh, how may a guest order their hash browns at Waffle House? <coughs> a. Scattered. B. Smothered. C. Chunked. Or D. All of the above. Mm, this is hard. I'm going to go with D. All of the above. I mean, I've never all, heard of chunked. Why? Oh, really? The Damn. only reason I knew that is because scattered and smothered were in there. And I was like, well, there has to be both of them or else I'm going to fight this question. Have you ever had them all the way? Is that what they call it? I don't even know. It's all the- 
That sounds right. It's 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 uh, around in third base. At night. I say I'll have them waffle housed. You'll have them waffle housed. I've had them all the way before with ham in them. That yeah. sounds delicious. I've done the whole thing, and you know what happens? You ate it all, and Nothing you felt bad about good. yourself. No, you just—it's oh. not good for the tummy. Oh. <laughs> Here's a night I won't re- forget. We're tied one and one. She's like, move on from the stomach talk. We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> uh, so this one is sports and culture. Uh. In 1912, the Girl Scouts were founded by Juliet Gordon Lowe in what city? A, New Orleans. B, Savannah. C, Charleston. Or D, Austin. Savannah. Good call. Savannah. Sports and culture. Crap. Now I'm going to tell you, I don't know if I agree on putting together sports and culture. I don't either, but I think they only had room for four categories, so. I mean, it was their game. Food and sports and culture and arts. I don't know. The last one, they were like all mixed up and it was like the drink, the food and drink category. And it was like, uh, you're on the way to Alabama and you stop at a museum. (laughs) What? (laughs) Okay. What carnivorous plant is native to the wetlands of North Carolina and South Carolina? Is it A, aloe vera, B, the pitcher bog, C, the cobra lily, or D, the Venus flytrap? Is it the Venus flytrap? Is that your answer? Or is. is it a question? That's my answer. You are correct. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh, I had so no idea either. It's the only carnivorous plant I know, and I had no idea it was native to the Carolinas. Mm-mm. Maybe that's why I feel such a kinship with it. I had a Venus flytrap. They're amazing. Mm. I mean, it is interesting. We're tied. <laughs> if you stick your finger in it, it thinks you're something and it closes on you. But it doesn't hurt. Oh, you st- I'm too scared to stick my finger in it. I mean, it doesn't have teeth. Until it does, <laughs> like the movie. <laughs> okay. Which movie is that? I don't know. Uh, uh, Rocky House of Horror. One of those. Oh, we're getting them all confused. (laughs) Rocky House of Hell. The one with the guy from uh, Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis. Uh, (laughs) Rick and Anus. What? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, somebody's getting annoyed. All right. Literature and arts. Okay. Are you Googling the answers? No. Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors. Rocky Little Shop of Horrors. How dare you, sir? <laughs> <laughs> All right. You ready? Uh, yeah, probably. Wait, what, what's the category? This is hard. Literature and arts. Okay. The, the old L and A. The Ward Brothers. Oh, God. Can you spell that, please? <laughs> like Montgomery Ward. Oh, okay. The Ward Brothers. Lee Dudley and Ira Hudson were all what type of accomplished folk artists? Were they A, decoy carvers? Were they... Decoy carvers? Mm-hmm. Okay. Were they B, basket weavers? Mm-hmm. Underwater. Were they C, puzzle makers? Or were they D, sign painters? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Decoy carvers? Basket weavers? puzzle makers, or sign painters. What was the question? <laughs> what type of folk artists were those people? What were their names? <laughs> it's not going to help you. The Word Brothers, Lee Dudley, and Ira Hudson. I feel like it would be easier if I did Lee this. Lee Dudley. 
<laughs> just going to show her the card. Well, I mean, maybe I'm not great it's at... Dudley and Hudson decoy carvers, and that might... <laughs> maybe. I wish there was... Oh, and they... Okay, all right. They were accomplished. The War Brothers were all... All of them. Yeah, real all type All two of them. Still. Of accomplished folk artists as decoy carvers. No, those are three different groups of people. What? Oh! The Ward oh, brothers so it's not are one Lee group. Lee Dudley Ward. No. Okay. <laughs> well, Dear see, Lord. This, this is why this question was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Decoy carvers. I'm going to have to look up what that is after this is all over. Do you, do you want to just flip a coin or something? I'm going to. I can't see all of it, though. I don't want you to see the answer. But, okay, so you're a folk art. Folk artists, they're not painting signs. Or are they? Basket weavers sounds too like a joke. I almost want to say puzzle makers. So I'm going to say puzzle makers. I really don't care. It's fine. Puzzle makers. They were decoy carvers. What's a decoy carver? I imagine it's de- like hunting decoys. Just... Did you know that one? Uh, no. <laughs> I told you it was hard. That's made up. Okay. Oh, it's my turn. <laughs> it sure is. We're Woo! on literature and arts, which is okay. the hardest one. The old L and the A. <laughs> I mean, it won't be for you. Okay. My wound. This is a quote. Oh, God. My wound is geography. It is also my anchorage. My port of call is the opening line of what Pat Conroy novel? A, The Great Santini. B, The Prince of Tides. C, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Or D, Charleston Walks. Would you like that one again? No. B. Is that right? Yes. Oh. <laughs> what was it? You just guessed B, but you didn't well, know what it was? It wasn't the Midnight of Garden. It was the Prince of Tides. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's pretty well I was torn novel. between the Prince of Tides and the first one, the Great Santini. Mm. Okay. And then I briefly thought about the Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil because I wondered if that was like a quote about the or- like orienting you to Louisiana for that. Oh, which would be terrible because Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil is in Savannah. Yeah, that's right. Whatever. Wherever it is. But you got that question But I got right. it right. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I chose from the middle of the deck. I have not looked at I don't at think these. you're cheating. Okay. I think I'm in hell. My hands are clean. I have nothing written on them. Well, I'm sweaty though. What spot in North Carolina was made famous by Orville and Wilbur Wright when they took off from here on their first flights? Was it A, Kitty Hawk? Was it B, Asheville? Was it C, Nashville? Or was it D, Greenville? I'm going to get this wrong, I think, maybe. I feel like I should know this. I'm not a big fan of flight history. <laughs> but all that this said... It's just like human history. <laughs> I, I want to say Kitty Hawk. Is that your final answer? I hate it when you look at me like that. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good tool though. It's a good tool. See, I think in like, if I was creating something, Asheville and Nashville sound so similar that it makes me want to choose one of those because it's like to try and trip you up with that. Hmm. But meanwhile, there was a kitty hawk near me growing up and it feels like they may have been trying to homage, if you will to the great kitty hawk of the Wright brothers mm-hmm. in their first flight. Mm-hmm. And then there's the last one, which could be it too. 
Because, you know. I'm glad you've taken us through your thought process. Greenville. This is really narrowing it down. Well, and it's good listening. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Kitty Hawk because, again, I don't care. It's fine. I am really glad you chose that because Nashville's in Tennessee um, and Greenville is in South Carolina. So This is why you have to listen to context. I was like, I what spot in North Carolina? Nashville? Daggummit. I didn't even listen to the North Carolina part. This is why I ask you to repeat the question. <laughs> but was I still wrong? No, you're right. It's oh, oh, hey. oh. I'm disappointed that it took you that, that many. But I didn't hear the North Carolina part. But Kitty Hawk. It's Kitty Hawk. I. Uh, it's fine. You got it right. So you got three right so far. So we have a chance to tie here. Okay. I'm nervous. What was that category? Travel and places. Oh, whatever. Gosh. It'll probably be something like, uh, what state are you in right now? Well, I just said the Midnight of Garden and Evil was in Louisiana, and I knew in my heart it was Savannah. And this one's travel and places. So I'm not feeling good about my chances. Uh, We'll see. <clears throat> no, you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. I don't know why I just turned into the cook. <laughs> the French cook. She's not French. Shh. The frying pan, a hulking steel structure off the coast of North Carolina, now operates as a research center and bed and breakfast <laughs> in a space that was formerly a what? A Coast Guard light tower. B, a cruise ship, C, an oil rig, or D, a desert island. You want that one again? A lighthouse. You just went right for it. Well, I didn't say lighthouse. What did you say? I said Coast Guard, light tower. Light tower, that's what I meant. You got it. So how do you like your skull? (laughs) (laughs) When will I learn? (laughs) That was fun, Selena. It sure was. So just as a reminder, this is called Bless Your Heart. A uh, 200 trivia questions to prove your Southern know-how from the editors of Garden and Gun. Because one knows you can't go without both your garden and your gun. So stay tuned. Next time we'll talk about my prize. That has been this week's Extra Sugar.